On today's Lockdown NBA, Adam and I are going to get into the Olympics. Team USA, Slovenia to the bronze medal game. A heartbreaker against France. Then we'll talk about Ben Simmons not answering Joel Embiid's calls. Mm. And then we got to power rank the best things about NBA Summer League, which starts on Monday. All that on Lockdown NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Cinco segundos, bola pra dentro, pré-pelite, dá no troco! Welcome, you are locked on to the NBA. My name is Nick Engstead, host of the Locked On Mavericks podcast, and joining me, as always on Friday, host of Locked On Nuggets from DNVR, it's Adam Morris. What you got for me? I got Jimmer Fredette coming to the Nuggets, and I got Zach Levine celebrating his longest win streak since college. How crazy is this? <laughs> I saw that on Reddit about Zach Levine, and I just, I, I could not believe it. I had to go back and look through, and yep, he has not had a four-game winning streak in the NBA. It's insane. Absolutely insane. I love Zach Levine, by the way. I don't know if you know this, but I am uh, now a full-on Zach Levine stand. so you can get, get used to that. You're going to be hearing a lot about that every Friday. <laughs> Does his fan base have a name? Um, like, I don't know. Like- just this Zach Levine stan account. <laughs> That's just that's just me now. Let's get into the Olympics. Team USA is playing uh, France for the gold. That is Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern time, and then the or 6 p.m. Eastern time, and then uh, Australia is playing my beloved Slovenia at 7 a.m. <laughs> Eastern time. Uh, man, Slovenia played just an absolute like down to the wire game against France. France looked dominant the whole game, and somehow Slovenia was holding on to it. Came down to a Batum block at the very end. Uh, Propelic had a layup that could have gone in. Luca made the right pass, the right read. He got around Gobert, and then he just couldn't get past Batum. It was just a heartbreaker for a team that is never in a country that has never been in Olympic basketball, has never medaled before. They could have guaranteed a medal if he would have made that layup. That is a wild, wild thing. But Luka Doncic finished with a triple-double, the first triple-double in Olympic basketball play since LeBron in 2012. And only the third since 1976. I will give you $100 if you can name who it was. Man, from 19, what year was it? 1976. Oh, no, but I have it. I'll give you a hint. It's from the Soviet Union. Oh, man, the Soviet (laughs) Union. Um, Nope, I'm not going to get it. I was going to say, I could just, you could uh, just start naming names. Alexander Belov was the first one to have a triple double in the Olympics, and then LeBron, 2012, and then Luca, 18 assists in this game. Just absolutely wild game for him. There was something going on with him at the end of the game. He ran into. The scores table, and there's some plastic there, so he was holding his hand a lot. He was hurting there. His conditioning was obviously a problem at the end. He only took two shots in the fourth quarter, and, uh, yeah, Slovenia really needed him to score a little bit down the stretch. And, yeah, Slovenia playing for bronze, and now it's France versus the U.S. in the gold medal game. Well, first of all, Luka Doncic, I think, has been the best part about Olympic basketball. I, I think pretty clearly. I, don't, I really don't know what, what second place would even be. Um, but he has been absolutely fantastic. And look, Slovenia, not a big country. I saw the all everybody, two million people, two million people, the same population as New Mexico, and here they are, you know, within just a, an inch of advancing onto the gold medal game. If if Batum doesn't, uh, you know, kind of fly across the paint to make that block, but Luca was nothing short of spectacular in here. And you know, we're going to talk about Team USA. I know we're here coming up, but 
when, when we talk about how difficult it is for Team USA, even with all the talent, how they've fallen into these slumps, Luca has somehow not really fallen into a slump in this. This just masterful in doing exactly what he wants. Everybody's loading up on him, and, and he's just been he's been special. It's been fun to watch, and it honestly gets me excited for Luca's upcoming season. We got robbed, Adam. We absolutely got Ooh. robbed of a Luca like ver- a Luca versus Team USA gold medal game. That just man. would have been so fun for everybody. But that would have been honestly, man. They they would have treated him like Ku Coach back in '92 Olympics, man. Like <laughs> if, if they would have played, if Team USA would have played Slovenia, I honestly think Team USA would have won by 50, and they would have made it personal, putting five guys on. They would have done whatever it takes. That that game would they would have had a little extra oomph in it, but it's not to be. Well, then Propelic and Dragic and Chanchar would have would have killed them then on the other end, though. Those hey, have been how about, how about, thank you, thank you for mentioning my guy Chanchar, by the way. Chanchar's been great for them. He's had some games <laughs> where he, like, tournament. mattered. Fantastic tournament. Even last night, I think he was 5 of 8 from the three-point line. Um, he, he's good, man. The Denver Nuggets is seventh power forward on the Denver <laughs> Yeah, they needed a little bit more from him, but definitely more uh, scoring from Luca in that game. Uh, Mike Toby, shout out to Mike Toby, the center for the Slovenian team, who uh, <laughs> Kyle Anderson in the middle of the game tweeted, Mike Toby plays for Slovenia? That boy is from Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. Uh, I will say, though, the Australia versus Slovenia game, that that's going to be a really good game, and it also is a meaningful one in that both you know countries not exactly – you know, racking up the medals in basketball. So it's meaningful to both of them. Um, and one, whichever team is not going to wind up with the bronze, it'll be quite a heartbreaker. I don't know if Australia has, have they ever medaled? I can't, if, if I can't remember if it's been, you know, a really long time or if they've never done it in basketball, but um, you know, certainly the case with Slovenia as well. So that's a meaningful game. I think they have medaled. I, I may have been. I may have been given false information on that. But, yeah, it's going to be definitely uh, – Slovenia has never medaled for sure. And so that's going to be a really, really big game for them. Uh, fun game. Both of these games should be really, really fun on Saturday. We're looking forward to it. Team USA, though, what's their what's their chances against France? How do you see Team USA and this team that's been, I guess, much maligned by people that have just said, oh, they're not dominating the way that we expect Team USA to be? What do you expect from them against – uh, France, who has Gobert and Batum and Evan Fournier had a really good game against Slovenia, and Nenu Dicolo had like a really good game against Slovenia out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, Timothy Cabrero. I think it'll be a good game. I mean, France does have, you know, one of the things that I think people are slow to familiarize themselves with is the fact that unlike in 1992 or even 96 or even in the year 2000, it's not just that these countries now feature guys who have played in the NBA. But it's guys that are at 0% intimidated. I mean, Batum, Gobert, it's not just that they've like, oh, they have some NBA experiences, that they are actually really good NBA players and have played at a very high level, playoffs, deep into the playoffs. So um, this will be a good game. It'll be competitive. But I will say Team USA has gotten better, I think, with every single game that has gone by. And we saw just that third quarter against Australia. When they turn the afterburners on, they look, they do look in small spurts as dominant as some of the previous iterations of Team USA, you know, 2016 and, and and so on and so forth. So not maybe wire to wire, but they do have their moments where they look dominant. They just, like this Team USA just gets into transition so quickly and all of a sudden it's just boom, boom, boom. You're, you're, they're getting steals, they're going out in transition and I think they can do that against this France team because this France team, their offense is a little, like, 
just okay, Fournier, you try to do something. Okay, Nando DiColo, you try and yeah. drive on somebody. And so I think that they can really uh Drew Holiday's gonna have a big game. I think this is gonna be a big Draymond game. Uh Bam has his hands full though with Gobert, I think. That's gonna be a really, really big matchup for them. Can he draw Gobert out a little bit? I mean, FIBA play, it's harder to draw guys out since Gobert can just stand at the rim basically and goaltend the entire game. It it really changes, you know, some of the usefulness, in my opinion, of a Bam at a bio, but what I think is interesting about Team USA, there's a couple different things, but one of the things that's really interesting is that they came in, you thought, okay, Damian Lillard starting this, and who are these guys? I actually think Lillard is not part of their best lineups, and it's actually the team, Drew, first of all, Kevin Durant, absolutely, yeah, I mean, right. by he far the most important play, has to be on there, <laughs> and it almost works out when they have some of the more defensive guys around him, Draymond, Drew Holiday, even Chris Middleton, because it becomes so clear that, hey, we got to find Durant every time, like, that's our guy, and that less passing, less being passive, this or that. But also just putting those defenders around. You mentioned the fast break. When you've got a Draymond and a Drew Holiday out there and maybe a Middleton or Booker, Zach Levine, those guys have even been flying around and playing solid defense. When you have those guys out there, you do turn the the ball over. You do get fast breaks off of defensive rebounds. So uh, it's interesting to me because I feel like part of why Team USA has looked better over the last few games is they've gone a little away from Lillard and a little more towards some of the more defensive guards. Yeah, and it gets more guys involved, too. More guys touch the ball. You have Zach yep. Levine getting the ball in transition. That dunk he had uh, in the fast break against, what was it, Australia? Was just, He's the best. It's so fun. Zach Levine is a real great, in my opinion, a great uh, NBA story. Because he came in with a world of talent. How many times have we seen this, Nick? We get into the draft and we're like, he's a high flyer, but his skill set, you know, we got he's got to learn to shoot. And he's got to learn the game. He doesn't have a great feel. Zach Eric Levine Williams. has incredible shooter one of the best shooting guards now like point you know shooters from the guard spot that we have in the league and on top of that he's not he was a gunner three four years ago he was a gunner he's not a gunner anymore he's a very smart like you know knows where he fits in even on a a super team like this like team usa and i'm just so impressed with him yeah team usa going into this game against france it's going to be a good one the gold and the the gold and the bronze medal game will both be good games on saturday yeah. uh we will both be we'll be watching them they'll cover them on monday on locked nba coming up let's get into ben simmons not answering joel Embiid's calls and then we'll fly around the horn in the nba talking about some of our favorite signings and different things we've seen this week we'll talk about that coming up All right, Adam, let's get into this Ben Simmons story. Ben Simmons not answering the Sixers or Joel Embiid's calls at all. He apparently has all these preferences to where he wants to go. Uh, The Sixers want to ship him out. He wants to get shipped out. No one else wants to ship him in, though. So what's the deal with Ben Simmons right now? Where are we left? Well, I think Daryl Morey rightfully set the price really high for him, and and so we're we're seeing I think the result of that, which is not, we won't know if this was the right or wrong strategy until the, the all the dust settles and the trade actually happens. We'll say okay, that was good value or that was bad value, whatever. But not answering the the phone call, not and, and it wasn't just that. The report was just completely distancing himself so that he has like no communication with the team. Like it's very clear he's like, no, I'm not talking to any of you guys again. And let me render a verdict on this. What do I think? Strong approval. Strong approval wow. for Ben Simmons. For I'm Ben like, Simmons. For Ben Simmons. I'm sorry, Nick. Did you watch the Eastern Conference semifinals? Did you watch the postgame commentary when Doc Rivers and Joel Embiid threw him under the bus and the fans went, took to social media and threw him under the bus? I'm sorry. Is he supposed to hop back in the group text and start sending emojis <laughs> to each other? No. Those guys threw him out. 
of the circle of trust. He just cut him off. I applaud it. There's not many things I applaud of Ben Simmons, but I applaud this move. I thought I was going to have to defend Ben Simmons and you were going to be all against it. But yeah, here we are. I think that there's there's no reason for him to 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 answer those calls if he doesn't want to. Is it kind of, you know, is it kind of a dick move to not answer a Joel Embiid's calls if he, a teammate no! of yours? Like no! maybe, I guess, as a person? No it's, no, it's not, man. What if I stopped answering your calls like just in general? Hey, man, if I threw you under, <laughs> publicly threw you under the bus, I would understand. <laughs> Joel Embiid did not like it wasn't, hey, he's got to play better. It wasn't, it, he he made it known he did not want to, like, this dude is a, he's a loser. You know, yeah, what if he's calling to apologize? Yeah, <laughs> is that what it was? Wow. Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid is matured. He's a father now. Like, he's learned a lot. Like, you know about fatherhood. It, it, yeah, you're a that's, person yeah, after that, that. That sounds like Joel Embiid, the guy to call to <laughs> apologize. No, wait, look. Ben Simmons, there's I like I said, I'm not going to defend many things, but this one, why? What is there to gain from answering the phone? Like, no. Let the let it go to voicemail. Never check the voicemail. Well, and the, the missing part in all of this is that his agent is talking to the Sixers, right? Like his agent right. is dealing with all this kind of stuff. It's not like there's no communication between Ben Simmons' whole camp and the Sixers. It's his agent. Why you hire with an it, agent? Which, Why you the, hire him? You say, hey, you handle that for me, dude. You talk to those guys. Also, I mean, how much have we talked about mental health this year? Maybe for Ben Simmons, he needed to just disconnect from everything. Could be. And, yeah, and be like, be. I just need to step away from this, which you know we applaud. I think so. Yeah, the Ben Simmons situation. I mean, where does he end up, though? Because it's just been the, the big question for the last couple months since they got knocked out. Well, there are some rumors today, and I don't know really how substantiated these these rumors are, but though about him wanting to be in California, him being a socialite. And, you know, he he's four teams the writing, there. <laughs> yeah, he sees the writing on the wall. I don't want to be in Toronto, you know, doesn't want to be in Portland. He wants to be here. I don't, I don't know if there's the validity to these. Um, so, but that being said, It'd be funny. I don't know if he ended up in Minnesota or, you know, <laughs> I, this is what I'm rooting for. Indiana, maybe. I don't I, That's what I'm hoping. I don't want anybody that wants to go to L.A. to wind up in L.A. That's that, that's my rooting interest. Ben Simmons says I, uh, he wants to be a socialite and wants to end up in California. OK, well, he's not going to Sacramento, right? Like may, <laughs> maybe you know going to, actually Sacramento. Why not? Let's do Sacramento. You got, you got four options there if you want to be in California. OK. Uh, Golden yeah. State, I don't know about that. Then the Clippers and Lakers are your only options there. You're really and I want to make this clear to, to Minneapolis and to Indianapolis. Like, hey, I love it. Love the Midwest. This is my, I'm not insulting the Midwest. I'm insulting Ben Simmons. He doesn't want to go there. I hope he gets forced to. I hope guys, when they try to force their way to the same three markets, I hope they always get forced to eat their vegetables. <laughs> That's where they eat their vegetables in the Midwest. That's right, man. That's <laughs> eat your vegetables. <laughs> Can we talk about another move the Sixers made that we were laughing about about before? Is that they oh signed God, they it. signed Andre Drummond, which just made me audibly laugh sitting there because of all the things Joel Embiid has said and done to Andre Drummond. Uh, talk about needing a break for your mental health after all these practices between oh Andre God. Drummond and Joel Embiid. He's gonna Andre Drummond's gonna need some uh, a mental health break because that's just gonna be hilarious to watch those two guys. But hopefully, so, so here's the Joel. So here's the it's, here's the funny contrast to Ben Simmons. Right, is Joel Embiid talks trash to Ben Simmons? Never call me again. I'm leaving you on read. Yeah. Joel Embiid talks to uh, trash to Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond shows up. He's like, hey, bye guys, bye guys. <laughs> Here, here's the thing I think about this because. I do think there's such a thing as sports rivalries. And I do think like, Hey, look, I like when guys talk trash. There was famous Kobe and Matt Barnes, like Kobe yeah. called up Matt Barnes or, or approved Matt Barnes. Cause he's like, if you're crazy enough to go at me, I want you on my team. 
I don't think that's the situation we have here with Andre Drummond. <laughs> I don't think this is uh, your career. The thing that you have to understand is it wasn't a right, at least with Matt Barnes, he earned Kobe's respect by being yeah. tough and physical. Joel Embiid thoroughly humiliates Andre Drummond every time they play. That's not a rivalry. That's no. an abuse. And then here he is going to drive. To me, that's a really hilarious yet somewhat yeah. awkward pairing now. Yeah, that is now Ohio State versus Michigan, right? Like, like Andre <laughs> Drummond is fully Michigan. Yeah, it's not really a rivalry anymore. Do you want some breaking news? Oh, I'm in. We just got reported while we were recording this that Kelly Oubre has agreed to a 22-year, 20, $26 million plus deal with the Charlotte Hornets. Got $26 so million. He got twenty six million, which is I feel like an overplay overpay. I thought I think so too. Who else has money left? Like the Thunder. Yeah, and he wasn't going to go there. So I don't know. Is it interesting? I'm not a big Kelly Oubre guy. Not a big Kelly Oubre guy. I I'm not either. Uh, he was talked about for the Mavericks, and I was like, you guys know he shot worse from three than Josh Richardson last year. You guys want to start complaining about a wing that doesn't shoot, that can't shoot threes? I'll yeah, and bring in another one. But that that Hornets team is all of a sudden like really fun. I, all of a sudden, I mean, they were fun last year, but they have a bunch of those wings that are just springy, and they got they had a pretty good draft. Lamelo obviously book night in the draft, and is, was it Mason Plumley? Is that what pushed them over the edge for you? Well, they they swapped the Zeller for the Plumley. There's a clause in the CBA where you have to swap one <laughs> for right. the other. You, That's you right. Can't not have one without the other. Must have one. Uh, other moves that were that were a favorite of yours. Uh, let's see. I I loved the. Uh, I I loved. I I kind of liked the uh, everything that the Jazz did. I I liked the Conley. They got him back at a discount. The Rudy Gay move I thought was good. It gives them a different look. They can play him at like a small ball five if they need to. The yeah. Pash the Eric Paschal just like salary dump from Golden State. I thought was a fascinating move. And then Whiteside, which is. Uh, in a similar yeah. vein as Drummond, they're like, let's just do the same thing we do in our starting lineup with our, with our backups and just have a giant center. Uh, but I liked what Utah did. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny to see Whiteside there. Um, you know, you I think a lot of teams like to have here, – here's what Whiteside is. It's the Jokic-Anthony Davis, hey, if we match up in a series, you'll play. If not, we don't need you. This is right. what happened with Derek Favors. They brought Derek Favors back thinking, hey, if we match up with Jokic, you know, Derek Favors causes Jokic some problems, especially when you compare him with Gobert. That's the one matchup. But if you don't play him and the money they spent for Favors, it's like, yeah, you're wasting a spot. Now you get Hassan Whiteside probably going to be an absolute zero factor unless they play one of two or three teams in the playoffs, and then he's useful. What are some other moves that were some of your favorites that you just look at and say, oh, dang, I really liked what they did? Um, you know, I thought Miami is, is the team that I, I look at and I, I, I'm surprised that so many people view them. I, I think they are appropriately a tier below Milwaukee and, uh, Brooklyn, but I think they're in the same tier to me as a Philadelphia, which is to say, I would not be surprised if they knocked one of those teams off or even made it to the finals. I think they're a really good team. So I'm surprised people are lower on them. They're underdogs against the top two in the East, but I, I'm really impressed with the moves they made. There's a severe severe lack of Kyle Lowry respect out there among NBA fans, at least what I've found. It's the weirdest thing, too. Kyle Lowry's good and, 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 and flashy and, and fun and clutch. Like, what is it about? Is it that he was in Toronto? Is that what it's it that, is? It's that he looks fat, like, from behind, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> he looks fat from behind. All right. Wow. Right? Like, I, I, okay. that's the... We talked about Kyle Lowry a lot on Lockdown Mavs, and our YouTube channel is just full of comments being like, why do we want a fat old point guard? And I That's was like, wild, man. That's so wild. Yeah, I, I don't get it. But 
Uh, Body shamers out there. The fact that the the Butler deal may not look good at the end and the Lowry deal may not look good in two years doesn't mean that it's not going to be good right now. Also, you're talking about Pat Riley. Pat Riley, he does this every every summer. You go and you go like, ooh, that's a good deal for this year. But next year, it's going to be rough. And then next year, he wiggles out of it and gets something else. You're like, wow, retooled. Except for that stretch they had like – Deion Waiters and Kelly Olenek and the Heat. Sometimes you have to pay like a one-year fee, like a one-year penalty to like wait it out or whatever. So, yeah. um, no, I'm imp- I'm impressed with them. Um, on a lighter note, I I'm very impressed with Denver's addition of uh, Jimmer Fredette to their summer league roster, as well as <laughs> Kenneth Fareed to Portland's. Uh, how is Fareed and Jimmer Fredette back in the back in the uh, summer league? This doesn't oh, make any sense. Michael Beasley, Fareed's teammate on the, on the on the Blazers That's side. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, Beasley's going to put up some buckets in Summer League, right? I think Kenneth Freed will, too. I mean, honestly, like Kenneth Freed's a super athlete. He played in the NBA, played in playoff series, started playoff games, and now he's going to go up against a bunch of 18- and 19-year-olds who are stepping on the court for the first time. Like he, I, well, He's going to be the Wilt Chamberlain of Summer League. I, I, that's my prediction. <laughs> <laughs> the 6'7 Wilt Chamberlain of Summer League. It's going to be unbelievable. And he knows how to work, and he's working back for his career, right? Like, there's yeah. a difference between uh, oh, what was the show? It was Loki, where it was like, like, like the the variant Loki's gonna get to it first, and she's like, why? Like, you want it? She needs it, right? Like, Kenneth Reed needs it to come back, right? Like, Maybe. I mean, I will be back. interested to see if this springboards for Reed back into uh, you know back into the NBA. He's a fun player, and he's not that old. So it is kind of wild that he just disappeared from the NBA for a little bit. We're just seeing guys like like him and kind of like Montrez Harrell right now. There's just not there's just not really a role for guys like that. Like you're a backup center or well, there's a if look if there's a role for Hassan Whiteside in this league, then there is a role for Kenneth yeah, Fareed. Least, it's it's, it's a seven one. foot and block shots. Like yeah, Kenneth Fareed is a monster offensive rebounder and rim roller. You know he plays above the rim as well as anybody. Quick jumper. Like he has utility. It's just that it's it's as a it, um, like a utility pitcher or something. You know, he's not a starting pitcher anymore. He's a utility pitcher. So now he's not a star, and he was paid like a star, and he got that big contract with years, and he wanted to be a starter and this or that. That dream is gone, but can he be an eighth guy? I think so. An eighth guy in a playoff rotation? I think so. Eighth, ninth guy? We'll see. Coming up, we'll see. let's get into our power rankings. Power rankings, the top five favorite things about NBA Summer League as a fan. It's coming up on Monday. We are back to Summer League. Fans are going to be flooding in. I'll tell you the top five things, at least from my experience, that are the best things about NBA Summer League as a fan. Talk about that coming up. But before we do, let's talk about Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They're absolutely delicious. And did you know there's a brand new flavor just popped up on the website? I was looking. Rocky Road with marshmallow and almond. Go I'm get in. that bar right now. The the puffs were really, really good. The churro puff was good. So the marshmallow that they use in these bars is great. Rocky Road, 150 calories, 17 grams of protein, 6 grams of sugar in a bar covered in 100% chocolate with that marshmallow in it. Also, with the almond, you'll get that crunch in there. Love it when a bar like that has some crunch. Go get them. Use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order with Built Bar. Also, the official protein bar of Team USA Track and Field. Uh, you will gold medal with with Built Bar, even though Track and Field did not necessarily gold medal in the events that they had. Uh, but go check it out. Mint Brownie is also a solid flavor. Cherry Barcia, Raspberry are great. People love the salted caramel. Check out that Rocky Road new flavor. That will go quick. BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. 
All right, Adam, let's power rank my top five best things about NBA Summer League as a fan. Can't wait for this list. Very we'll, excited. We'll do these in order, the, the Adam Mares order, five, <laughs> five to one. There you uh, go. Number five, you meet new people. There's always people there from all over. They're NBA fans. You're going to meet new people. Uh, for us in the media, it's you know meeting uh, people that work for teams and maybe players and all that kind of stuff. For a fan, you're just you're probably going to meet a bunch of different people. However, there are the, there's the rare occasion where players will sit in the stands somewhere, so you may be able to meet players there. Uh, so that is that's pretty fun. Uh, as the summer league has become bigger and bigger, that's that's less likely, but uh, it's fun to just go there, meet people that love sports and basketball the same way as you. Yeah, of. That's honestly the appeal of it. I always say it's like Comic-Con for basketball nerds. So, Oh, 100%. Including people dressing up. You know, in Comic-Con, you dress up as your favorite characters. Oh, Summer League, oh you I, dress up. Oh, I, I no, don't want to spoil it. I got it. Up. I got it. I got it. <laughs> you know, you dress up like your favorite player, you get it. So that's a, little, that's a little up there. Number four, new players, rookies. You get to see these guys before anybody else. It's kind of fun. This is number four is the actual players. <laughs> I love that the basketball. <laughs> it's coming in fourth. <laughs> okay, but but now in Summer League, half the time these guys, like the, the guys you really want to see, don't play anyway, right? Like Luca didn't play a That's single true. minute in Summer League. Like, uh, he was ducking, so yeah. How much did Zion play in Summer League? I don't remember. Probably not that much, but like. I, oh, no, I do remember because here you'll remember this. There was a rebound. I can't remember. Somebody else grabbed it. Uh, man, I wish I could remember who the player was. And he reached in, ripped the ball right out of his hands like a child, <laughs> and then oh, did, yeah. like standing dunked it. And it was one of the first plays he was on the court. And you're just like, wow, he is 10 times stronger than every other human. Everyone. Yeah. than everyone else. Uh, but yeah, you get to see these players before anyone else. It's still a really great thing. The rookies, some of these players coming back, you'll get to see Michael Beasley this year, dropping some buckets, Kenneth Fareed going balls to the wall. Uh, you'll see players that you didn't remember that were still playing. Like that'll just come back and be like, Oh, is that Kay Felder? Didn't he play on the Cavs one year? Right. Like, <laughs> so true. All of a sudden Those- get, is that your favorite one, K Felder? That's a good one. I remember seeing Hashim the beat like several oh. years after he'd been gone and being like, "Oh wow, he's still he's still at it." It was Luke Herringody at one of these. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, he's at every one of these. <laughs> uh, new players is a good one. That one that one's a little lower because of the guys that end up ducking the summer league and don't. They're too good for the summer league or whatever mm. uh, and all that. Kevin Knox wasn't too good, but he may not get to play. Number three, this is what you alluded to earlier, the old school jerseys. It is like, like you said, Comic-Con for the NBA. Right. Everybody shows up and the like throwback Minnesota Grizzlies or the uh, Memphis Grizzlies and the like Kevin Garnett, Minnesota Timberwolves jerseys and just any kind of the most random jersey you have, bring it and wear it at Summer League. Those, That's one of my favorite things is just to see like you almost should get a bingo card and start just checking off all the old school jerseys you see. Of course, it's... You said throwback. I don't even know if it's throwback. There's a weird subculture at uh, Summer League where people try to wear the most obscure jersey you could think of. So it's like, it's not just the, oh, look at this old school classic thing. It's, <laughs> hey, I didn't but, even realize, like Luke Herringoti. You might find a Herringoti jersey yeah. out there. You're going to be like, wow, look at that. So. It's it's uh, Amin El Hassan's like Patino game, but in real life. In, jersey in real form, life. Right? Totally, totally. Yep. <laughs> Uh, number two, the value you pay. Like, I think this year it's up to like 40 bucks, but you can watch so many basketball games. I think you can watch like 10 or 12 basketball games in the span of one day. And you don't have to pay for each game. You pay for one day. You go there. There's two different gyms. So you can go back and forth between Cox Pavilion and uh, Thomas and Mac there in Vegas. I think the value of it for a fan, if you're just talking about going there, seeing it is uh, absolutely wild to get to go see that many basketball games. 
It is really cool. The venue is really great. I wish there was like four courts. I mean, I actually wish there was another court adjacent to Cox. <laughs> maybe they just progressively get smaller and there's like a – the fourth gym is just the blacktop. You know, they play with a college ball. Yeah, it's 110. You have to be out there. Um, but, no, it's it's a super fun environment. I am shocked that the value of the ticket price is coming ahead of the game. I, I do find that a little well, – a little let's be real. Like, in summer league, like the games are not necessarily that That's great, so right? So I mean, right? But you, you do get this is more quantity over quality for sure. This summer league. That, that's a great point. That's a really good point. The games are <laughs> no. terrible, but you get to watch a lot of them. <laughs> but there are but Olive Garden when you're here, yeah, your right. family. <laughs> so true. But number one, the atmosphere. There's all the things that I just mentioned. The atmosphere of summer league is one of the big reasons why why you go. Uh, I was there when Lonzo was was a rookie, and just going to see all those Lakers fans there for a summer league game when they were terrible uh, was just absolutely wild to see. I was there when uh, D'Angelo Russell did the ice in my veins. Uh, I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was standing in the media area. He ran right past us, and he, after he hit that game winner, like just seeing stuff like that every once in a while uh, is just absolutely great to see that. It is a good atmosphere. A little Lakers heavy, I would say. A little Lakers fan uh, yeah, because it's, it's within driving distance of Los Angeles, so of course you're going to get that. So that could be – I remember Jason Tatum's rookie season. I remember the crowd starts booing. It's day number one. You know, Lon, It was the same year as Lonzo. It was big. And the crowd just starts booing. And Jason Tatum's just walking across the gym. And about halfway across the court, he re- – Realize that they're booing him. It's him. Like, yeah, they're, like, they're like, "Oh, me? I'm not even playing, you guys!" Like, what the hell? <laughs> so, pretty, pretty funny for sure. Yeah, but the atmosphere is just great. It's great to go meet people, uh, see all the jerseys, like all of that together. I think is just great. Uh, there's all kinds of like different events and kiosks and stuff that you can walk by and see. Like, you can try and jump aside as an NBA player and all those just random little things. There's people with booths. All that stuff is great. Uh, did I did I miss anything? Did I forget anything about summer I, I league that's great for a I think you missed the number fan. one thing. I think you missed the number one thing here. So it's a big miss. But no matter what happens, every fan base will declare victory. So if you <laughs> if you happen to go out and dominate, I remember the 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 Sacramento Kings in Vivek's first year won the summer league. I remember yeah, they, they got raised a, they the banner. A, they raised the banner. Like you just need to <laughs> declare like it means something. But if your team loses. It's like yeah, summer league guys. Come on, like it doesn't it doesn't matter. Like no matter what happens, you can have a guy your your number one draft pick goes out and averages four points, and you could be like, you know what he did though? He was plus minus. Was you find something to like talk yourself into? <laughs> and now in Vegas, you get to see every team, right? So that's that's definitely a positive. Too. Oh yeah, it's cool that they're all together. Yep, exactly. Because it used to not be that way. We had the you know Sacramento one and the Orlando one, and Vegas and uh, Utah had one, and there's so many other ones, and now they're just all together, which is. Which is great. Which is great, man. I'm excited for it. I've already I'm, I'm hyped for it, even though I'm not sure if the Nuggets will have a team there. I'm still hyped <laughs> for, for Summer League. The Mavericks may trade their two best Summer League players uh, for Goran Dragic by the time they go to Summer League. But... By the way, don't think I don't see what you're doing, Portland, bringing in these guys, the, bringing in these ringers. You know, Neil Olshay, you want to talk about try, this is it's a total Neil Olshay move to win Summer League and then be like, hey, we're, we're off to a great start here. You guys all put me in the pressure cooker. Look what I brought to you, a championship. We have this young core that's coming up. Young core. With, my, with Michael Beasley, Beasley and Fareed. Moutier. And yeah, look at this young core we have. Young core with experience. That's so rare. It's <laughs> also, rare. great defenders. Fantastic. We're bolstering the defense with Fareed and Michael Beasley and Emmanuel Moutier. Oh, my.
my gosh. There you go. That's their power rankings. That's Locked On NBA on Friday. Go follow Adam Mares and go listen to Locked On Nuggets. Follow me and Locked On Mavs. Great stuff coming all off season long. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked On NBA.